0: We will hear argument next in case 09529, the Virginia Office
1: for
2: Protection and Advocacy against Stewart. Mr. Glanter. Mr. Chief Justice, and may it please the Court, the Virginia Office for Protection and Advocacy, known as VOPA, seeks to enforce its federal statutory right to inspect and copy records that are in the possession of state officials who run state operated hospitals. Respondents acknowledged. Below that if petitioner were a private entity, ex parte young would permit this suit. VOPA's status as a state entity does not change the ex parte young analysis, because it imposed neither a greater burden on the Treasury nor the dignity of the State. The only issue to be resolved by the Federal Court is who has the correct reading of Federal law about the records access issue. If, peti- Council, if this were a
0: private suit, let's say Ford Motor Company has two subsidiaries, Ford East and Ford West. They get into a dispute. Ford West sues Ford East. No federal court would entertain that action, would it?
2: Well, you're right. if I could clarify, uh, first of all, it, there'd have to be a question of federal law.
0: Yeah, they think Ford West thinks Ford East is discriminating on the basis of race. Uh, it would have to. They don't like that adversely affects their reputation too, so they sue them.
2: I, I think that inquiry goes to the question of adversity and standing, the Article 3 question. And this case doesn't involve that, because VOPA is independent of the entities. That I don't know, it's
0: independent, right? It's, it's independent from what?
2: It's independent from the executive branch. It's independent from the respondents it's trying to sue. Yeah. And is it, it independent from
0: the state? Is that what the
2: statute says? The, the, the statute I requires independence. The federal statute requires that. VOPA be independent. But it's independent here because its uh, uh, commission, only a third of it is appointed by the governor, and none of the members of the commission that run VOPA can be removed except for cause.
0: You say on page 27 of your brief, the blue brief, that uh, uh, it, it, there's no big deal here with respect to st- state sovereignty because ultimately. The sovereign retains the authority to dissolve the state agency plaintiff if the state believes the litigation is too onerous.
2: That, that's correct. That is the sovereign, the Commonwealth could repeal yeah. the law that enacted VOPA, just as in this court's cases, ICC versus United States, Congress could have removed, eliminated the ICC. Yeah, it's
0: a good, a good site for the, for your, your proposition, but. Uh, arguably, in those cases, the ICC is really not the real party in interest. The real party in interest is the the beneficiary of the ICC ruling.
2: Well, I I believe this Court has continually held that independent agencies and other Federal agencies can litigate uh, uh, cases involving the Federal Labor Labor Relations Board. Uh, And this Court has allowed, for example, uh, suits about licenses for Federal dams, where one agency wants to build a Federal dam and another — MR. To
0: get back to my question, you — no court would entertain Ford West against Ford that, East.
2: It, if that's right, and I think it is if they're part of the same — if they're subsidiaries of one corporation and aren't — Well, separate.
3: why — why is that true? If they're separate corporate entities, what legal rule would stop a separate corporate entity from suing another? Um, is there a legal — if they're part of the same company, I think that's a different issue. If I, they are the same company, that's a different issue in just a different branch or a different office.
2: I, I had understood understand that to be the Chief Justice's hypothetical. They were, they were divisions of a single legal Not entity. Not
0: divisions. Separate corporate entities that happen to be wholly owned by the same parent. I,
2: I do believe, then, that there, there could be litigation between them, but ultimately there wouldn't be.
0: Well, I would have thought that would become an advisory opinion. Ford has an internal dispute, basically, and you're th- — that, in that hypothetical, one of the entities would be asking the Federal Court to resolve it. Ford can decide at the end of the day how it wants to — to resolve it. F- F- Ford West wins and Ford East loses, Ford — Ford can say, all right, this is how we're going to do it, regardless of what the Federal Court says.
2: Well, that's true that after the litigation is over, uh, one of the parties may uh, you know, be able to d- work around the law. That's true, in fact, in every federal spending clause statute where you're dealing with prospective relief. The state is always free to say, okay, if this is what we have to do, we, we're, we opt well, out. The state for- here
0: is free to dissolve uh, one, of the, one of the parties to the case. That's, that's a little different.
2: Well, it's the Commonwealth that's free to dissolve one of the parties right, to the state, case. All right. State, Commonwealth. know. Uh, I meant as opposed to the res- — I-, I wasn't making that distinction. Oh. but the respondents here our state officials, and even the respondent's agency, has no power over IPAS. And on the day-to-day basis, even the Governor and the Attorney General have no control over what IPAS — or excuse me, VOPA does. IPASS is a similar case out of Indiana. But what, what's critical here is that the, as we stand here today, the Commonwealth has vested a federal right in VOPA. And neither the uh, Attorney General nor the Governor of Virginia can stop VOPA from exercising that right. Council,
3: Counsel, I'm not quite sure what the premise of your argument is. You seem to be arguing that the independence of the State agency is what makes this particular entity capable of suing. Yet in your brief, you rely on Verizon's simple test, which says if you're asserting a federal claim, you can sue, and you're you're looking for prospective injunctive relief, you can sue the state. That general rule wouldn't look at who's suing. That was part of your argument. Yet now you're arguing the independence of the agency. Which is your position? Uh, And if it is the one about the state's independence— how do you articulate why that becomes important or not? What, what's the legal significance of that vis-a-vis this case and any ones moving
2: forward? If I may, I, there, are, there are three issues that are intertwined here. First, the issue that I was talking about with the Chief Justice regarding the Article Three adversity that you would need for standing. That's where the independence is relevant. The second question is the one that Uh, we petitioned on, which is the Eleventh Amendment issue. And there we would suggest that the simple, straightforward inquiry of Verizon is relevant. And then there's a third portion which the Court of Appeals seemed to rely on, which is that (coughs) — that the the notion that the State has a Federal right at all was some — against another part of the State and its officials was incongruous. That if anything would be a Tenth Amendment concern. And it's resolved here because it was the Commonwealth itself that made the voluntary decision to vest these federal rights in uh, independent state agencies. Well,
4: let's assume, and and I'm not sure what the situation is in uh, in the Commonwealth, Uh, we have held that the states don't have to have the same notion of separation of powers that the federal government does. In the federal government, we allow independent regulatory agencies, uh, separate from the president. Let's assume that Virginia has a system in which uh, the governor is indeed in charge of of the entire
2: entire executive branch. Do you know whether that's the case? I don't know. It it is not the case in Virginia or in 49 of the 50 states. Okay. Well, if it were, and if Congress —
4: offered money to the state, and the only way the state could get it would be to abandon its system of separation of powers and to allow uh, an agency of the state, which would normally be under the direction of the governor, to go riding off on its own and and sue the governor. You think there wouldn't be any, any problem about uh, about the federal government doing that? Requiring the state to, in effect, alter its uh, uh, its governmental structure
2: in in order to obtain the federal money. I I do think there might be a problem first requiring it, and I think there might even be a problem if it were spending clause statute alone. But if I I realize that's the, but that's not an Eleventh Amendment problem. That's a question about whether. Sure. uh, And here the only question, because the only question addressed. Below, and the only question this is all on an interlocutory appeal just on the 11th Amendment is whether we can sue other officials in the state to bring them into prospective compliance with federal law. And as as I said, though, and this statute authorizes the state, if it takes the money, to designate either a public or a private entity as its protection advocacy system. That is, they could have vested these federal rights in a nonprofit corporation.
0: Well, right. But that makes all the difference in the world, because they made the choice of saying, this is going to be one of us, uh, uh, the State. And as far as what issues before the Court, I would suppose the Article Three question is a jurisdictional one that we have to address before reaching the 11th Amendment question.
2: I I think this, they're both uh, sufficiently jurisdictional that you could reach them in, in — you wouldn't have to reach Article Three before the 11th Amendment. But I do think that the Article 3 question, I mean, this Court in its FOIA decision, such as, you know, Public Citizens versus Department of Justice, has said that Congress can create a right to inf- access to information. Mr.
5: Gallant, we can go back to get what the, this entity was. Uh, the, the federal legislation gives this state the choice it can do it either in a state agency or a private entity. The specification that the state agency has to be independent is in the federal statute, isn't it? Yes, sir. It's not. It's not up to the state. We want to put it into an independent regulatory agent, agency. And is it, and is this VOPA? Is that an entity that was created just to, to carry out this federal program, or was it a preexisting agency?
2: It it and its predecessors were created just to implement this program.
5: And does it do anything else other than administer the federal program?
2: (laughs) It has uh, a few responsibilities that the state has given it under state law in addition, but its primary function, and at this point all its budget, uh, comes from the federal government and it serves primarily this federal function to go into public (laughs) and private institutions to uh, observe and make sure that abuse and neglect is not occurring there. And that is obviously why these records were requested, because the statute gives the Protection and Advocacy Service a right to access records of people in the institutions to make sure that they are not being mistreated and that the investigations and the oversights by the state are taking place and are being done correctly.
3: Council, following up on Justice Scalia's question to you, his question, in fact, is in part what happened here. Virginia, at some point, did require every state agency to seek the permission of its attorney general, is it, to sue. And the government said, that's not independent enough, and um, if you want the money, you've got to make VOPA eligible to sue without that permission. Is that correct?
2: That, That is correct. And then the legislature of the Commonwealth went in and gave VOPA independent litigating authority, independent of the attorney general. On the 11th Amendment point, which is Well, again, just bef- — I know
0: you're anxious to get to that, but <laughs> do you know — do you know of any other situation where one party to Federal Court action can dissolve the other one in the middle of the case? I mean, if, if VOPA files a discovery request with the State and they think it is, as you put it in your brief, too onerous, the State can say, guess what? The case is over. You're dissolved.
2: Well, I, I, again, I would go back to the Federal analogy that in all this litigation with the ICC or, well, with the Federal Labor Relations Authority, with the uh, licensing authority of the Department of Interior for for dams that, that, uh, you know, the TVA might want to build, that Congress can always uh, eliminate these agencies, uh, but while they're still in existence.
4: I guess in Nixon versus United States uh, the president could have dismissed the attorney general
2: but we allowed the suit to go forward. I never did understand that. Well, I think I, I think but it's but because it. you look at standing in terms of the current reality and in Nixon for example the attorney general had promulgated a regulation saying he couldn't dismiss a special prosecutor. But there are a number
6: of instances in the states where constitutional officers have their separate autonomy, um, their separate responsibilities. And it seems to me to follow inevitably from your position that the attorney general of State A could sue the governor of State A, uh, saying the governor um, is being sued in an ex parte young capacity because the governor is not uh, following uh, f- a federal law. I-, I think that's just inevitable from your from, from your position, and that seems to me a vast extension of ex parte young. It's true. I think that we've never said that the identity of, or that the permissibility of an ex parte young suit depends on the identity of the plaintiff, but uh, don't we have to say that here if we're going to allow the states to structure their, their own governments as they
2: choose? Well, I would say that um, primi- well, I would say two things. First, the uh, idea that you have to accept, as I think respondents do in this case, that the Virginia Office of Protection and Advocacy legitimately holds a federal right. I can't, I, I'm hard-pressed, and, and respondents and their amici were hard-pressed, to come up with any example where an attorney general would hold a federal right against another part of the state. And particularly here,
6: well, he would tell the governor that uh, the governor is uh, not giving adequate protection to uh, prison inmates or state employees. Uh, the gov- that, the, that the governor's own personnel regulations are, are incorrect, and he would sue under Ex Parte Young. If, if the Commonwealth, if the federal, is, they're, they're all kinds of a federal right. Well, but they're generally like, not. And the, and the question is, can one state entity enforce it against another state entity in a federal court?
2: The, there aren't a lot of federal rights that state officials have against other officials here. This is a well, right, but, uh, uh,
6: but under under your theory, there would be because under ex parte Young, uh, the whole point of it is that a a, a person can allege that this. Fictional private individual who's really a governmental individual is violating a federal right. That's the whole point of it.
2: Violating the plaintiff's federal right. That was the only point I was making. But yes, if there are federal disputes at issue, a federal forum is appropriate. But, but only State
6: Attorney Generals uh, have, 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 the, have the obligation to enforce federal rights uh, for all of the citizens of their states.
2: And if they have that right under power under state law, then, and they exercise that power and elect to be in federal court to litigate federal issues, that is not barred by the 11th Amendment we would submit.
6: Well, that's, that's the issue. The, uh, I know your white line is on. You, you uh, s- s- indicated that there are certain cases in which uh, dams can be authorized uh, by the federal government, I think, uh, contrary to state laws with municipalities. Do you know what those are? There's an Iowa case. There's also a Washington case. You, you're talking about. Uh, I,
2: I believe the, the, the case you're thinking of comes out of Seattle, but 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 I think. Do you, know, do you have
6: the citation? I, the I don't you? have it with me. I've been I looking it. for it. Okay.
2: But 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 the point I was making is that sometimes one federal agency needs permission from another federal agency to build something, and there would be a litigable controversy under Article Three, and that, that's the only point I was trying to make. Um, if I may, I, if there are no more questions, I'd like to reserve the balance. I'm Thank my you, honor. counsel.
0: Ms. Anders.
7: Mr. Chief Justice, and may it please the Court. VOPA has properly invoked ex parte young to enforce respondents' obligations under the DD and PIMI acts here because VOPA's complaint satisfies the straightforward inquiry set forth in Verizon. We don't think that it's necessary to go into state sovereignty interests to determine whether ex parte young should be allowed here. But even if the Court were to do that, I think it's unquestionable that there are no state sovereignty interests here. Do you th-
8: Do you think the spending clause allows the federal government to condition the receipt of federal funds on a state's agreement to change the structure of state government?
7: I think it does, so long as as that requirement is reasonably related to the government's interest in the funds and in in the objective of its regulation.
8: Suppose the government said if you want Medicaid funds, the, uh, the state. Agency that administers the Medicaid program must be headed by a person who uh, has a 20 year term of office and is removable only for uh, gross dereliction of duty. They, can they do that? Can the federal government do that? Can Congress do it?
7: I think it could do that so long as that's not independently unconstitutional. I think the state always has the opportunity to decide not to opt into the scheme. And I think that's very important here because the, the sole aspect of this suit that Virginia challenges, which is the fact that Voca is a state agency, is the result of two sovereign choices that the state made here. The first choice was to opt into the D.D. and PIME Act programs uh, to take the federal funds to create a P.N.A. system that has federal rights of access to which both state and private facilities are subject. And the second choice that Virginia <coughs> made was to establish a state agency P.N.A. system here. It could have established a private agency. If it were concerned
5: Ms. Ms. Andrews, I understand that most states that uh, that are taking advantage of this program do it through a private uh,
7: entity, not a state. Is that is that right? That's correct. There are eight uh, public PNA systems.
0: Can uh, EPA uh, sue the Army Corps of Engineers for violating the Clean Water Act?
7: Well, I think you would have an Article III problem if there isn't sufficient adversity. If, if the well, they're very adverse.
0: Are. EPA wants clean water, and the Army Corps of Engineers wants to, you know, dredge the water in a way that contributes to pollution.
7: Well, they're both. The heads of both agencies are in that situation, I think, uh, subject to removal uh, by the same people. and so in that situation, you would have an article three problem. but we don't have that problem here because vopa is is independent um, under state law.
0: Do you agree with the uh, petitioners that Virginia can dissolve VOpa if it finds the litigation too onerous?
7: I think that that would not happen in practice because, if Virginia were to dissolve VOPA, it would be out of compliance with the federal scheme. And so it would lose its — it would lose its federal funding at that point. So I don't think that's a situation that's going to arise, but if
0: — If it happened to arise, do you think they can — do you agree with the petitioners that they can do it?
7: I think they, I think they could do it, but I think this, this court has previously adjudicated cases where, in theory, uh, the government could have uh, — changed the case midstream, U.S. versus Nixon is an example of that, the ICC case as well. And I think also in the Lassen case this Court said that it could adjudicate a suit between uh, two state agencies because uh, the agencies were sufficiently independent from each other they weren't subject to removal by the same head of government. So I think while you might have an Article III problem in some situations, uh, you don't have that problem here because of VOPA's independence. Could you be a little
3: bit more specific for me on what you mean about an Article III problem? Justice Kennedy was concerned about State Attorney Generals willy-nilly suing, or not willy-nilly, suing governors um, to comply with federal law. Why do you think— it won't happen. And what are the legal impediments to that occurring?
7: I think there are several. I think, first, uh, you would have to have a federal right that the AG uh, would be able to enforce. Um, he would have to have a way to get into federal court. Uh, he would have to have a theory of standing. Uh, and I think this is not a situation that has arisen um, at this point. There are no examples of this. And so Wait, I Wait.
9: I thought that — this I'm confused about. I would think you'd have to have a state. Which has a law that permits the Attorney General to sue the Governor. If Wouldn't the, you? I mean if the State law is the Attorney General can't sue the Governor, that's the end of it, isn't it?
7: If is that it were sufficient it? to get into Federal Court for, uh, for Article three purposes, I think there might be some situations in which no, the, Suppose uh, the, the State's
9: law is the Governor of the State cannot bring a lawsuit against the Attorney General and vice versa. Okay? That's the State law. Now, under those circumstances, can either bring a lawsuit on a Federal right in Federal Court?
7: There may be some circumstances like that one in which the the State AG's use of ex parte young would raise special sovereignty interests that would counsel against
9: I I just want a yes or no answer. In your opinion, can an attorney general where the State law says — Black-letter law, the Attorney General can never sue the governor. He's fired instantly if he tries. That's the law in the state. Okay? Now, can that individual come into federal court and sue on an ex-party Young theory, suing the governor?
7: I think he could under this court's decision in Verizon. I think that there may be certain extreme circumstances. I
9: don't — I think that is a problem, then. Is that what we're saying here?
7: It can't be. How can that be? He, ha- he has no power
4: as as Attorney General to do that. It has nothing to do with, with, with ex party young. It has to do with his power as Attorney General.
7: Right. And as this Court said in Labor does, I think often the Federal Court doesn't look behind a State officers. My person. goodness, I
4: thought that but your, your suppose I'm right
9: about this, and you can't do it. Uh, you can't. You can't the Federal Government cannot tell a State how to organize itself. If it wants to have an Attorney General that can never bring a lawsuit, that's up to the State. Unless it's a due process problem. Now, suppose I believe that. Now, do you lose this case?
7: No, I don't think so because the same special sovereignty interests are not present here because under the spending clause, Virginia had the choice to opt in to this scheme. Doesn't the,
5: doesn't the federal statute say, Virginia, if you want to do this through a state agency, that state agency has to be an independent agency and has the authority to sue? Yes.
7: That's correct. And are you sure
0: that the governor? Cannot remove the members of OPA. I know it says OPA has to be independent of any state agency, and the governor appoints one third. Can the governor remove the members of this Virginia agency?
7: As a matter of state law, I don't think he can. And if he were to try to do that, that would be a compliance problem from HHS's perspective. And so, uh, Virginia. What would it not? What point? would
0: it not comply with? I, I, I just don't know. I'm just looking at the provision where you say it's independent, and it says independent of any state agency. You said the governor may not appoint more than one third. I just wonder if there's a prohibition on him removing.
7: It. Well, there's, there's definitely a prohibition on him removing um, uh, board members of VOPA or officials of VOPA as a result of VOPA's actions in litigation. I think. Uh, where is that? The, well, the provision, uh, the requirement that that VOPA have full authority to pursue legal remedies to ensure the protection of individuals. This is on. Page 52A of the Petition Appendix, uh, that's the Pimey Law. And I think that actually did happen in Virginia, that, that HHS came in. Um.
0: What if the VOPA uh, officials are engaged in corruption or uh, illegal conduct or, the, the, you know, extracurricular activity that brings discredit upon the — the Governor has no power to say that you're a Virginia official and you're, you know, whatever, uh, uh, breaking Virginia law, for example? and.
7: Well, under Virginia law, I think that VOPA's officials are subject to the four cause removal provisions. So they can actually be removed judicially uh, through four cause proceedings. And uh, from our perspective, that's consistent with (laughs) VOPA's independence and its full authority to pursue remedies because that type of four cause removal wouldn't be on the basis of VOPA's actions in litigation.
6: Going back to your exchange with Justice Breyer, I assume you could stand by your answer and say the Attorney General could sue the governor. Because he's not suing the governor in his official capacity. He has a federal right under ex parte young to sue the governor as an individual. It's a fiction. We all know that. But that's the way it works. And this is a federal right. I I think that's your position.
7: I think that's right, that under Verizon, no more is required. The VOPA has a federal right here. Of
6: course, course, Verizon was a
9: private party.
7: Verizon was a private party. He's
9: suing in his capacity as attorney general. And under his, that's the plaintiff, not the defendant. And he has no right to bring that suit, because he does, it's not that he doesn't have a right. It's that he doesn't have authority. And he, he's not a person that yeah. can do this kind of thing. I'm really
4: lost here. I thought ex Parte Young applied to defendants. Yes, right. I, did, exactly. I didn't think ex Parte Young allows allows an attorney general to sue, to sue as a plaintiff in his personal capacity. Am I wrong about that?
7: Well, I think that you might have state sovereignty interests at that point. That's that your position. That would prevent the Federal Court uh, from — from adjudicating the suit, but there's no question that those interests aren't present here because Virginia has chosen to create a state agency uh, in order to enforce these federal rights. And when it op- I'm with it's Justice
9: clean. Scalia on this, I'm well. I'll ask the other side.
1: Thank you, Ms. Anders. Mr. Getchell, Mr. Chief Justice, and may it please the court: the dignity interest of a sovereign is impaired if it is pitted against itself in the courts of another sovereign without its consent.
4: And I would take it — The dignified sovereign should not agree to the deal. Well, let's — I let's, mean, you know, the Commonwealth had the choice. It had two choices, as, as counsel for the government said. It could either turn down the money, or if it's uh, not dignified enough to do that, it could take the money and establish a private — Organization to do this work instead of uh, a state agency so what you know what what complaint do you have here
1: well let me let me first say that the choice issue um, raises some interesting questions because of the procedural posture of this case being an interlocutory appeal, because remember uh, on the issue of waiver and abrogation, that was litigated below, and no waiver was found, and that wasn 't appealed against so if we're going to say it makes a difference under a spending statute that the State has taken the money in analyzing the sovereign interest, then we are creating a waiver on the cheap and disheveling the established doctrine.
5: It's not a waiver. It's the Federal Statute is clear. It says, State, you can do this in one of two ways. If you go with a government agency, then that agency has to have independence and it has to be able to sue. So this, the State is given a choice. It has — can it can do it through a private entity. It can do it through, as in this case, a, a, an agency that was set up for this very purpose and no other, right?
1: I, I would have thought two things about that. One is — When Congress gave the state the choice of making it a state agency, it understood that uh, any issues that arise from that would come with the territory. Um, The second thing is what the state consented to is it waived its sovereign immunity to be sued, but it did not specify a suit in federal court, and under ordinary doctrine that's a consent to be sued in its own courts, not in federal court.
9: Suppose you have a state which loves litigation. Forty-eight percent of the population are retired lawyers. (laughs) Nothing pleases them more to have everybody suing everybody else. So they pass a statute which says, for purposes of lawsuits in this state, every department can sue every other department. Now, if you have such a state, what in the Constitution stops the federal government from abiding by that rule? and applying ordinary ex-Party Young rules, looking at the defendant, looking at Horizon, and then, if the plaintiff happens to be a federal agency suing another, say, well, if it complies with those first set, the fact that A sues B and they're both state agencies, that's the state's decision. What in the Constitution can prevent the state from deciding to organize what we'll call the legal heaven way?
1: Uh, I would I would say two things about that. Uh, the, the first is uh, that that's not what Congress did. Uh, okay. Congress Congress said they had to have a, a right to sue, and they didn't specify. Okay, it now that's a, a court. I,
9: I'll we can go into a later because I agree that would be an answer if it's correct. I mean, if that's what happened, that, uh, that's a different question. Whether Congress can restructure the state that's a serious question. But my question was on the first: Can Congress stop the state from restructuring itself?
1: Well, I, I, I don't think the, s- the state, by restructuring itself, would, would then ordinarily expect its agencies to sue each other in federal court. And, and, and where if I- they wrote it
9: down specifically in the law and said, we'd love to have our agencies sue each other, they don't say federal court, they just say, we love to have our agencies sue each other, they don't mention the court.
1: Uh, I would think that under ordinary rules of waiver of sovereign immunity, that would limit the suits to the suits of the sovereign in the state.
9: Why? Because what's undignified about allowing the state to live think, with the choice it made?
1: I think the existing doctrine is a, a an, an unspecified waiver of sovereign immunity does not consent to suit in federal but, court.
3: I'm sorry. I, I, I think there are concepts being confused. Um, there's no question that it hasn't waived sovereign immunity. VOPA doesn't. Um, claim that, and this is not a direct suit against the state. It's a suit against a state official, and the entire premise of Ex parte Young is that this doesn't offend um, sovereign immunity for a party to seek enforcement prospectively of a federal right. So I don't know why it really matters who the plaintiff is so long as the sovereign interest that we've recognized, that the issue of sovereignty, is one that respects a State's um, uh, coffers and, and um, State's laws, and we're not going to interfere with any of them. But we are going to ensure that, because of the preemptive effect of the Constitution and our laws, that Federal laws are respected. So what's In this case, the intrusion on state sovereignty when the state knew and consented consciously to letting BOPA sue for records when it needed to? Um,
1: In referring to sovereign immunity, I was trying to answer the hypothetical um, uh, with respect to why ex parte Young doesn't apply. Uh, the second part of the question was Congress could, could uh, expect Ex-Party Young to apply. There's, there's no indication in the legislative record that I can find of that. The
3: state should have expected that.
1: The, excuse me, the Congress should have expected in the hypothetical Congress was posited as having think, thought that Ex-Party Young. Know, you know, I think
9: hypothetical was just, Justice Sotomayor was totally right. I, I'm talking about Ex-Party Young. Okay. I'm imagining, I'm, I'm imagining a system where the state wants to let, the AG, this organization, the sheriff of Middlesex County, the city of San Francisco, they want to permit such entities to become plaintiffs against other parts of the state government in such a state if ordinary ex-party young uh, requirements are met. What in the Constitution of the United States prohibits that suit from going ahead?
1: Because um, ex parte young is an exception to the default position. The default position is that the states at the founding retained all of their natural um, law of nations of sovereign immunity. Uh, We know that it was — that it was limited. Uh, A state can sue another state. The federal government can sue another uh, state. And, a state, and there is the ex parte Young exception, but it is the exception. It is being extended here. We, we know it's being extended here because it's never been done before. And if you're going to extend it, then we ought to ask the question of whether or not, uh, on asking the Hans question.
4: Why, why is it an extension? I mean, that's, I have sort of a bit of a problem with that. Why is it somehow a, a greater infringement upon? A state sovereignty, uh, to allow a state to be sued in federal court by a private individual who oh. doesn't even have to be a Virginian, for Pete's sake. He could be from anywhere. could be from Iowa, I, 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 and yet it somehow offends state sovereignty more when, when you allow a state agency to, to sue the state? I don't. I don't see why that's so horribly worse. Unless you're arguing that that it somehow uh, destroys the state uh, system of separation of powers, but that's a different question, and 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 the answer to that is simply uh, you did it yourself.
1: Well, what I what I would say is that um, ex parte Young is intended to deal with the situation where a citizen of a dual sovereign is able to vindicate his superior federal rights against the state. That interest is not served one bit by having a state agency sue another state agency in federal court, even though that state agency could have sued in state court. And I would ask the Hans question. The Hans question is uh, would the, the — uh, you know, would the Constitution is presumed not to raise up causes of action against the states that would have been considered as anomalous and unheard of at the time of the founding, and I think if you posited whether or not it, at the founding, if you had asked, can a part of a state, uh, uh, well, can the federal Congress uh, authorize part of the state to sue the other part of the state in federal court? I think it would have been regarded as an. When Virginia
8: agreed to participate in this program, did Virginia understand that it could be sued by VOPA not only in the in the state courts but also in federal court?
1: I would assert not. I mean, that was the point of the waiver argument uh, um, below, and the Court said there had not been a specific enough declaration of the consequences of taking the money to it, raise up so a traditional waiver. the choice waiver. is,
5: if it's not in — you, you certainly agree that this uh, State agency has taken on the obligations of the Federal program. and. If it doesn't turn over records, as the Federal Statute requires it to do, it has to be amenable to suit somewhere. We know if it were a private entity administering this program, it would be suitable in, in Federal court. So this State agency that's doing the exact same thing, because Virginia chose to do it that way, where is it — where I — mean, it's a very simple thing. The Federal Statute says turn over records to the agency, and the state hospital says, no, we're not going to turn over the records. Where does the agency, whether private or public that's administering the federal program, go to enforce the federal right?
1: The uh, program would go to a state court. Um, Virginia has waived its sovereign immunity, and there's a remedy uh, uh, through Um, mandamus.
5: you. you, Is that — I mean, see — I want to make sure I understood what your position is on that. It's not that you go into the court that you would ordinarily go to when you want to get documentary discovery. You go to the state's supreme court and you app- you apply for the extraordinary writ of mandamus. That's it.
1: If you have a — if you have a clear right uh, to these documents as asserted, and you know that's a merits question that's never been reached, whether this is a right. I, I'm or asking statute. you
5: what is the forum. We have a simple problem, an agency whether private or public, wants records. Federal statute says you're entitled to the records. And I would like to know now, Virginia having chosen to give this newly created <coughs> independent state agency the authority rather than picking a 501 organization to do it. Simple. We want records of these three people. The hospital has them hospital doesn't give to us, the only way under Virginia law is to petition the highest court of the state for a writ of mandated. Uh
1: I, would, I personally believe you could also do it in circuit court. I know this office has previously taken the position that it had to go to the s- Supreme Court, and I don't want to uh, withdraw any concession that had been made there, but I, I personally read <coughs> the statute differently. But
5: which office has has said it has to go to the to the? Uh, State Supreme Court on mandamus. You said you, that, that the uh, office has taken that position previously. Uh,
1: the, the the statute, the mandamus statute, uh, has a fairly broad catch-all provision at the end, which I think would allow suit in, in uh, circuit court. But I don't think where it can sue uh, uh, really informs the doctrine here, because I think the doctrine here is if you're going to let, uh, under the analysis argued here, which is not modest, it's very, very broad, if VOPA can sue in federal court under ex parte young, so can any agency of the — of the, any state that receives federal funds upon which it makes the claim at the uh, uh, ex parte young uh, uh, st- stage, which is before you reach the merits. Any agency receiving federal money that can dream up a federal claim
4: under ex parte Young can sue the state, and and, and that has independent litigating authority.
1: Um, yes, and okay, and, and, I mean
4: that's the difference here. This, and, and this agency was given independent litigating authority. I think I think Virginia happens to be
1: unusual as long as we're talking about the policy or results that will come from this. I think uh, Virginia is unusual in having as much control in the attorney general over who can sue. Uh, than, than a lot of states do, because I think a lot of states have their own independent agencies that proliferate and have a uh, suit authority. Uh, but I will tell you, even in Virginia, uh, there is a mechanism by which, if you had the governor in one uh, party 's hands and the attorney general in the other, uh, the governor can declare a conflict of interest and order private counsel hired and so if If the University of Virginia wanted to sue the governor. Um, uh, or rather sue the Attorney General, and the Governor said, uh, well, if you want to, and the Attorney General won't uh, authorize it, then that's a conflict of interest. It I hasn't th- happened.
3: Why do you think? Don't you think it hasn't happened because there are so many practical political restraints on that kind of activity? What would happen, I think, in that State where there was a rogue Attorney General is somebody would win. The Governor would win by um, getting a legislative act that says it can't be done, or the Attorney General will win because the political sentiments are so strong in his or her favor that the suit is actually welcomed by the population. So where is the intrusion on sovereignty? States do what they want. The only issue is how do we protect Federal rights?
1: Um, I would — I would say that it's never happened before because nobody's ever claimed before that ex parte young permits a part of the State to sue the other part of the State. And I would say if the word were declared from this Court that you can do that, that there would be a lot of political motivation to file suits.
9: Now, it isn't that ex parte young, if I understand this right, which is why I mention it, it isn't that ex parte young permits one party uh, — one part of a State to sue another part. It is a State permits one part of a State to sue another part that that's common in the State, that the law requires it. And the question is, in that circumstance, should the ex-Party Young situation be treated differently? Am I right about the statement of the question in the case?
1: think I think whether or not the State has given independent authority to sue without specifying that it can be in federal court, without waiving its immunity in federal court, Uh, is not the issue in the case. I think the issue in the case I I I think that the issue in the case is whether or not ex parte young should be extended to do something that's never been done before. I think that's the issue in the case. And I don't think ex parte young, which is a necessary fiction, but it is a fiction. It's a necessary fiction to allow the citizens of a dual sovereign to vindicate um, his or her federal rights Uh, in in Federal Court is implicated in the least when it's a State agency that could sue another State agency by the State's consent in State court.
5: Do you know of any other statute uh, in which there is an independent State agency that exists with the sole purpose of administering a Federal program?
1: i, I w- I'm, I'm not an expert in that area of the law I would have thought it's quite common but i don't i don't know that's just my supposition uh, I, I think it, that, that, that you, it, you
5: can you give any example of a federal program that says state you can do it through a private agency you can do it through a public agency public agency created to implement this federal program that is its sole business i don't I, I, really know of any
1: I personally don't know of one as I stand here, but my supposition is that because the federal spending power has been so dramatically exercised over the years, that there probably is one I had not thought to look for. In
9: your experience, this would be helpful. Would you characterize as common or uncommon uh, situations where state agencies are given authority to sue uh, other parts of the state? I mean, I, as I think it to myself, I think well, City of Glendale versus. Uh, uh, State Water Authority or uh, Middlesex County Sheriff versus the Bureau of Prisons? That, that doesn't sound weird to me. It sounds as if there probably are a lot of such circumstances, but I don't know. What what, what do you think?
1: Um, there, I think two, two, there are two things to look at um lower subdivisions of the states, which yeah, in many states are idiot, kind of,
9: Cities against uh, — they must do that a lot. Yeah,
1: but they're just corporations in, in, in Virginia and, and in most states. There are a few states where they're treated as something different, but they're not generally regarded as, as even uh, units of, of — subordinates, units of government for purposes of sovereign immunity. Um, however, the state itself and its agencies are, and that's the uh, issue that's implicated by ex parte young. Um, I would — I would say that.
9: University of Massachusetts versus uh, 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 State uh, uh, Environmental Organization. Does that, does that kind of suit sound familiar to you or, or not?
1: Um, I, I think that, uh, that the states vary as to how tolerant they are of, of, of being sued by having their parts sue each other in the in state court. I think I have seen titles like that. But I, I don't think that as a principle of Federal jurisdiction uh, because ultimately um, um, whether sovereign immunity exists, if it's not waived, uh, does deprive this this court uh, or, or deprives the federal court of the right to proceed. Uh, I, I think that deciding we're going to extend the fiction of ex parte young beyond the rights of citizens to allow the state to sue itself in, in federal court is just something that's totally anomalous. I, I, I just don't see how this Court would want to do that, even, even if it thought otherwise that it was, a, 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 you know, something that could be done under, under the logic of ex parte young. I don't know why you would want to extend um, uh, that and create, and create the Federal Courts as a venue
3: for political grandstanding, which is what I think.. i I'm not sure that what you're forgetting is that Virginia took a lot of money to set up and get the benefits of federal funds by creating an independent agency. It had expressed its desire to control the agency more, and it was told very directly, you can't. You have to let that agency sue. What I don't understand is why you think that it's a greater affront. To sovereignty that the suit is here as opposed to state court the state has already said we're going to take your money and this is what we're going to permit I, I think it is a suit
1: I think it has long been recognized that the dignity of the state is not offended at all by a suit against uh, against it in its own courts that it is authorized. Uh, I, I think that that it is well understood that if you bring a state against its will into a federal court, even if you 're Using the fiction but of ex- we, we
3: we use ex- we don 't bring the state in we bring a state official who is violating a federal law,
1: but this court has always recognized that there is a large sense in which that 's a fiction and it 's just something we have to tolerate in order to have a dual system of of sovereignty so
4: your your argument is really it really is a sovereign immunity argument you're, you're, you're saying that The waiver of sovereign immunity, unless it explicitly includes a waiver to be sued in federal courts, applies only in state courts. Okay, And that that limitation should not be evaded by applying ex parte young to a suit in federal court. Where the suit is by another state agency.
1: That is precisely my argument.
4: So sovereign immunity is is part of your argument, but, it, it,
1: but well, it's it.
4: I think it's all
1: that's really appropriately before this court because again we're up here on an on a, uh, interlocutory appeal where the decision below in the Fourth Circuit by Judge Wilkinson uh, is premised entirely on. All thom- right, now now
9: explain. This is good because that's very helpful uh, to me. The exact statement that Justice Scalia made, and you said yes, that's exactly right. And then uh, it is the case that a citizen of the state could come into federal court and sue the state official under Ex Parte young. But you say, but the, the agency of the state can't do it, even though they have state litigating authority. And the reason that the latter is more injurious of the dignity interests of the state than the former is
1: one, the state is being pitted against itself. If you look at the very caption in this case, uh, VOPA sued uh, the state officials in the name of the Commonwealth. Uh, Secondly, there's a — to the extent there's any authority, we have ex parte young here that gives rights to citizens, and we have a line of cases that that resulted most recently in in, uh, CERSA, CERSA, in which it was recognized that the general rule is that, that subordinate uh, parts of states, subordinate state authorities, have no constitutional privileges and immunities uh, to, that they can assert against their creator. And if you wanted to know whether or not uh, ex parte Young should be extended into this uh, area, it seems to me that the previous expectation would have been that the assertive tradition would have said, no, we don't want to extend this into this area.
6: Are, are there other areas, and I. I, I Can't come up with the name of the case. It was uh, suggested by counsel, uh, your your friend, in in his opening argument. I thought there were cases in which a subdivision is not a a political subdivision of state is not allowed to build a dam by state law, and yet it can go to the federal government, get a license, and build the dam anyway, and just bypass uh, the restrictions put upon its parent. The agent has more powers than the principal gives it because it relies on federal law.
1: I I don't know the case, and uh, uh, if I don't believe anybody has cited as a principal case uh, a a decision of this court that that would say that. Now, a state can do anything it it wanted to in terms of of waiving its uh, sovereign immunity. In
6: in in this case, could um, Virginia sue Vopa in federal court?
1: I don't think I don't think it appropriately could.
6: You you think it could or could not? I do
1: not think it appropriately could. I don't think parts of the state can sue other parts of the state in in federal court.
6: Well, it would be the parent suing the 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 subsidiary, and Uh, and Vopa is not the state.
1: uh, Vopa is is part of the state uh, for purposes of sovereign immunity analysis. um, I would have thought. but uh, if, if, if somebody tried to get a, a personal recovery, I mean, VOPA uh, employees or ordinary state employees, I, I presume they're subject to the Tort Claims Act. Uh, so it is a, it is a state agency. But I, I don't know why the involuntary suing of the state in federal court, which I think rec- raises the traditional sovereignty of dignity interest, Uh, would would be reciprocal. I mean, if for some uh, strange reason the state wanted to sue vote, I don't know what the answer uh, would be, because maybe they've they've waived all their uh, interests if they tried to do that. But I think that the the practical problem for this Court is that there's no limit, there's no practical principle limit to what's being argued here. And so we set up this intramural political contest in Federal Court as a matter of course. And I think doctrinally that it is clear that this is an extension of uh, ex parte Young, beyond dispute, and I don't think it ought to be extended without doing a federalism inquiry. And I think if you do a federalism inquiry, you ask the Hans uh, question: Is would this have been regarded as anomalous and unheard of at the founding? And I and don't. The bot-
5: think bottom line then is that to restrict Congress's choice. Congress wants to have an entity, superintend this program for disabled people. So the instruction you would like to give Congress is, Congress, you want federal courts to be able to enforce the federal right, then you have to set it up as an agency, out as a a private agency. You can't give Congress, you can't give the state the choice whether they'd rather do it through private or public
1: organization. I I don't think so for two reasons. One is they I'm could sorry, I don't think so what? You don't think Congress I, I don't Congress think that, I think Congress could have under traditional waiver authority under the spending power have said if you want to take the money we're making a clear statement you have to waive your sovereign immunity and be sued in state I mean federal court. That didn't happen. Uh, also let's not uh, uh, overlook the fact that the Secretary has an administrative remedy in withholding the funds, and when this Court was was faced with the question of whether or not to extend ex parte young in the Seminole Tribe, the answer was no, we're not going to do it because there is an alternative uh, remedy. Oh,
4: you you would acknowledge that if the State knew when it took the money that it was — and when it created a State agency to administer the program, that it was letting itself open to suit in federal court under an ex parte young theory then everything would be okay
1: well I, no I, cuz i don't think ever it would
4: ever well that would be a waiver of whatever no, sovereign I, immunity no no it can waive that, it.
1: wouldn't congress, it congress yeah. congress can condition receipt of the money on waiving it and i suppose it well would
4: no, no congress could but but if if they knew it w- in this instance when they accepted the money the, the, you wouldn't have a case would you
1: the law If 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 under traditional waiver doctrine had been done right, no, we wouldn't have a case. But remember, the law of the case in this interlocutory appeal is that there was no waiver. That waiver was 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 determined below and not appealed.
4: Yeah, that's a good point.
1: Um, And and so uh, uh, under under the circumstances uh, uh, here, um, we have a fairly peculiar specialized situation. But but deciding in favor of uh, the, the petitioners, I think, is fraught with peril and is doctrinally unprecedented and improper, and we would ask that the decision of the Fourth Circuit be affirmed.
0: Thank you, Counsel.
2: Uh, Mr. Galanter, you have three minutes remaining. I uh, have three points for those three minutes. Uh, first, we don't think that a State AG or a State agency could sue a Governor if State law prohibited it. The question of capacity to sue, the power to sue, is one of state law. What we're saying here is that if a suit could go forward between two state agencies, excuse me, between state agency and state officials in state court, then if that case involves a federal issue, issue it can be heard in federal court if the other requirements of Article Three, ex parte Young, are being met. Second, uh, there was some suggestion that ex parte Young is only about citizens. But this Court supplied ex parte young to Indian tribes, allowing them to sue State officials. It's allowed foreign countries to use ex parte young to sue State officials. The only — and the the respondents can see that political subdivisions, which can also be eliminated at will by the State, could use ex parte young.
9: Have you found any case — are there a lot, a few, none, where one State agency at a State level sues another in Federal Court, period, say they have a rising under
2: jurisdiction? No, there aren't a lot of them because. Well, are there any? Other than in this protection and advocacy system. None. None. See, I,
9: nagging at me is some kind of Article Three problem. Well, but and, uh, maybe there is none. I don't know. It's a. There are none, though. None.
2: Well, but that's because the Congress doesn't usually vest rights in. No, no,
9: it wouldn't have to. Well, they, they could get into all kinds of arguments about EPA and all kinds of federal rights with each other,
2: I I, I think. I I don't think that's correct. I think that most of the time when a state is involved in a dispute with another state, it's about state law. Uh, This is rather unique in that respect. And that brings me to the third point, which is this notion of waiver. Now, we're not arguing here that they've waived their sovereign immunity. What we're claiming is that they don't have sovereign immunity to these injunctive suits against the state officials. We're not seeking damages and we haven't named the state in its own name. But what we are suggesting is that, partic- that they, it was the natural consequence, as this Court decided in Fru, that when you, you know, uh, accept the federal money and you are bound by federal duties and that the, the entity that you give the federal right to has a federal has — a, has a right to sue that the federal issues will be litigated in federal court. And uh, I would say particularly that here just, of course, Virginia renews every year to take the federal money. Uh, But when it last uh, amended the federal statute or the state statute uh, to uh, uh, create VOPA in its current structure, there were existing ex parte young suits against state officials. Thank you,
0: counsel. I have just one question of curiosity. You said in your opening argument that forty-nine of the fifty states limit in some way the executive's power in this area. I I'm What's the one state
2: I I'm I'm drawing that from the Indiana's amicus brief and I believe they identified New Jersey as a state that has a unitary executive.
0: Thank you. The case is submitted.
5: The honorable court is now adjourned until Monday next at ten o'clock.